Welcome in to episode 235 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. It's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859 859- Five four three zero seven zero zero. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I am fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you? Oh, feeling absolutely peachy after Kentucky's six-game winning streak in the SEC. Uh, most recently, a 72-67 victory over the Florida Gators. Always a good thing to beat the SEC uh, rival. 72-67 victory over the Florida Gators. Feedback on my end. Um, there we go. We're, we're, I think we're back. Uh, another very impressive win over the Florida Gators. Always a good thing to beat. Uh, those those rascally Gators, Sean. Um, early thoughts on on the win? Uh, it's it's a big win, right? Especially where Florida was coming off of a win against Tennessee prior to the the trip to Lexington. So uh, a massive win for Kentucky to keep that SEC winning streak alive. I mean, they're still there in contention to earn a very good seed in the SEC tournament, and I think uh, that's the the goal at this point, right? Just keep stockpiling wins and keep getting yourself off that bubble and get yourself into that NCAA tournament. And uh, I think Kentucky picked up a very solid win uh, Saturday night up at Rupp Arena, and they had to execute down the stretch to do it. Yeah, this was definitely one that we kind of had our our things we had it circled on the calendar for quite some time. Uh, Florida playing really, really well as of late. They just recently beat number two. Uh, Tennessee, um, you know, one of those one of those type of games that because of how things had gone a little bit earlier, they needed that one. Uh, and now we're kind of cooking a little bit. You, you look at the resume, you look at uh, the, the the schedule, and now you have four straight wins against quad two opponents. You lost that quad one there uh, against Kansas, and that's not obviously that 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 sucks. But uh, you also have that quad one on the road at Tennessee, and now. Yeah, that stretch coming up, quad one against Arkansas, quad two at Georgia, quad one, quad one, quad one. Uh, I mean, you got some real opportunities there to build a, a pretty solid resume. Uh, that Florida game was just a must. I mean, that's what we talked about going into that matchup, going into the, this past week uh, with the back-to-back wins at Ole Miss and, and at home against Florida. It was just one of those. It didn't matter how it came. You just had to get the job done at home. And, and that's kind of how it ended up unfolding. You had Cason Wallace absolutely explode, almost a, about as perfect of a performance as you could ask for uh, from the freshman guard. He goes 20 points, seven for 10 uh, overall, one for one from, from three, five for five from the free throw line, three rebounds, two assists, uh, three blocks, one steal. Really the only flaws that he had in the game were the three early turnovers that he had really, really cleaned things up by the end of the game Then had the uh, big dagger three uh, to really push the, you know, kind of, solidify the lead there in the last three, three, four minutes. And then uh, the two dagger free throws to ultimately win the game there, there down the stretch. So Cason, uh, the keys are in his hand. And it's always been about just putting that sucker in drive and, and going. And and uh, now Cason is officially doing that. So it's always a great thing to see your best player playing like the best player on the team. Yeah. And we, we talked about this when the season started, right? That he at some point would become Kentucky's closer in the backcourt. And you saw it, you know, firsthand Saturday night against Florida, and that was a that was a very efficient twenty point game too. I mean, it's ten shot attempts, uh, five of five at the free throw line, made seven of those shot attempts. That's a very efficient twenty. Uh, so that was that was a big deal too, given that he hadn't played the game prior at Ole Miss. And I know that I've I've not been on here since that victory, but uh, I thought it was good to see him be back out there on the court and then to close things out for Kentucky on a on a night where. Some other guys struggled. They had guys step up, and Kaysen was one of those guys. Yeah, Kaysen was the star of the show. Jacob Toppin kind of being the other one. Uh, 17 points, 8 of 16 shooting. Uh, He goes 10 rebounds, one block, one assist in 35 minutes. Uh, that's another guy that we've been talking about him and, and, you know, just kind of not needing to be great, just understanding that, look, I am really productive when I'm just 
good. You know, like he, he doesn't have to go out and be a 25 point per game scorer, you know, to be this three level score. And we just listened to John Calipari on this call-in show uh, right before this started. And, and he talked about kind of the, the, the rut that he went in and the expectations, all the weight that, that was on his shoulders going into the year. Yeah, you know, you got to be like your brother. You got to be a first round pick. Well, you know, this is your year to be a lottery pick, all of those things. He had so much weight on his shoulder. And when the shots just weren't falling and uh, you know, the, the, that would lead to four or five slip ups on the on the other end of the floor, uh, not engaged, lack of focus and, you know, really just, you know, body language not there. And, and really got to the point where he was unplayable. And now Jacob is kind of, you know, tossed that aside that that game at Missouri was kind of the low point. He said afterward that, you know, that that's my rock bottom. Um, you know, no, no floor on even that rock bottom. It's just as, as bad as it gets. He turns around and turns that into just slowly, progressively, uh, you know, more impactful, positive play. And it's not just in one individual area. It's not that he's scoring a ton of points, but he's rebounding hard. He's, he, you know, getting locked in defensively. He's looking to make that extra pass. He's not just floating on the perimeter, jacking up shots. He's attacking. And that's kind of what we've been waiting for, Sean, that attacking, playing above the rim. When when you have lob opportunities come, throw them down. You, you know, the, the, uh, we've seen his highlights be the biggest momentum changers in games. Just continue that, build on that. Uh, and it's just really cool seeing somebody who went through the mental struggles that he went went through uh, and is open about it as he was uh, to see him kind of break through and, and you know, kind of take those chains off that he had on, on himself uh, and really just kind of play free basketball. Really refreshing, cool thing to see. Agree 100%. And K- Kentucky's got a roster here, Jack, that I don't think that every guy on it has to play well every night for them to win. You know, I keep grouping them into to pods, and I, I keep there's always something on the show every year that is my talking point for like months. And this is going to be my talking point all the way through probably the NCAA tournament is when you group some of these guys into position pods. And I think CJ and Antonio Reeves are a good example Saturday night. CJ hit shots, which we'll get to at some point. You know, Antonio didn't, but you just needed one of them to do it. I feel the same way about Jacob and Chris Livingston. One of them has to play well. Every single time Kentucky takes the floor, it doesn't have to be the same one every single night. And I think that that is probably the recipe for Kentucky to end up being a very quality team when it gets down to the NCAA tournament and to March Madness. Let your stars be your stars and let your role guys be the, your role guys, but it needs it doesn't have to be the same role guy every single night. And then there's going to be nights where they all play well, and then Kentucky looks like they can beat anyone. So I think they're starting to find something here. I really do. I, I wish that they could have gotten that win against Kansas a week or so ago because then I think we'd be having maybe an even better feeling about it because there had been a quad one win in the category against a, you know, a team that is one of the better ones in college basketball there for a bit before their, their little streak that they had entering Rep Arena. But I think this team's starting to figure some stuff out. I think this team is best playing through Kaysen and let others feed off what Kaysen does, including Oscar. Like, I, I think that those shooters on the wing, Oscar kind of being that guy that's going to get some offensive rebounds, make some plays, some hustle plays. Kaysen's the guy. Everybody else kind of comes around it. And I think you're starting to see those roles that we waited maybe two or three months to kind of form, I think, are now really starting to shape up. And I think you're starting to see Kentucky play better because of that. Yeah, and, and I know you – Brought up CJ here a minute before. Let, let's go on and hit hit that real quick before we kind of transition into the Oscar struggles and and you know kind of just the different roles on this team and how they're kind of shaking out a little bit. Uh, you brought up Chris as well. Uh, he, he's obviously growing in his role uh, pretty significantly. Uh, CJ Frederick, twelve points, four of ten shooting, three for six uh, from three. He hits the first three threes of the game for the Cats. Uh, his his first three shots and and really, I mean, kind of help break things open and really start making you feel good about the offense um, there against Florida. Uh, CJ's a guy that he was so important before he dislocated his finger. And we knew that when that in that injury happened, we we're like, dang, man, it's just a dude who's had crap luck with injuries. I mean, just throughout his career, just uh, weird mishaps here and there. And there's another one. I mean, the way he dislocated his finger at, at uh, Missouri, he, he caught us a, a Savir Wheeler pass. And the, the pass was kind of a knuckleball. Uh, Wheeler kind of lost it uh, while he was, while it was leaving his hands. So it kind of hit CJ awkwardly. It wasn't in, you know, typical shot ready situation like he, he was used to seeing. And, and it just kind of 
got his eye off of it, hit him awkwardly and ended up dislocating his finger and uh, really set him back several weeks. He had to have that stupid splint on the back of his hand uh, that, I mean, really messed up his him catching balls, the touch on his release, you know, just that muscle memory. If it's just a hair off, I mean, you were a shooter in, uh, you know, your playing days, you know, just, I mean, if you're just a hair off, it can completely throw off your rhythm, can throw off, uh, you know, your muscle memory. And we saw that that happened. He didn't miss by, uh, you know, a mile, but he missed it just enough to, uh, you know, kind of build misses on top of misses. And then at that point, you just kind of, uh, you're in a rut and it's tough, tough to get that out. Really good seeing him get those first three to fall. And you could tell the confidence was there. He was kind of, you know, feeling a little bit swag. I think the fourth one was a pretty significant heat check. And I'm like, you know what? You've earned that. You've you've been playing in that rut for, for a while now. Earn that heat check. So I love seeing that uh, absolutely crucial piece for this team. John Calipari has been talking about him uh, to no end about just the, the value that he brings and the importance that he uh, has uh, to this team on, you know, beyond just making shots, his, his defense and high basketball IQ. He's kind of emerged as a leader on this team as of late as well. So, uh, CJ got to give a tip of the cap to him. Great to see him making shots and you definitely need him down the stretch. Yeah. And when you're talking about things going wrong and the hand and stuff, when you're a shooter, if one thing's off, you're off, right? Like it's, you want to be in rhythm. You want to, you want to be feeling good, the ball out of your hands. And it was good to see him knock down shots. And what I was getting at a moment ago, when I was talking about grouping these guys together, like you don't have to have Reeves and CJ both get hot or, knock down three or four threes a night. As long as one of them's knocking down shots and you have that consistent threat that game, and it may be Antonio Reeves against Arkansas instead of C.J. Frederick, but if you if you take away two of those threes, Kentucky loses the game Saturday night. Like uh, So that, that's what I'm talking about with that. Cons- it's not consistency from one single person. It's just consistency across your roster that somebody's given that need that you need on that given night. And, it's, it, and we saw Antonio Reeves do his thing at Ole Miss, right? And then C.J. Frederick hit his shots against, and that that's where I'm coming from. You're not kind of living and dying with that one guy. Uh, Kentucky's got, I think, a good collection of role players, and uh, like I said, there's going to be nights where C.J. and Antonio both are cooking, and when they are, Kentucky's probably virtually unbeatable if Casey Wallace and Oscar are doing their thing. So there's going to be nights like that, but there's also going to be a lot of nights like Saturday where one of them's going to be hitting and the other one's not. But as long as you're doing that, you can survive it. The knots, those two don't make shots outside. Those are the knots Kentucky looks awful on offense. And I'm really glad and, and kind, of, kind of switching gears a little bit, but but kind of tying that in as well. I'm kind of glad that we got the performance that we did from Oscar Shibway. Four points, two of 14 shooting. You know, he had 15 rebounds, but I think seven of that were, I think they came in the first four minutes of the game. Uh, so really when you put kind of the efficiency Beyond that, really not there. Five fouls he fouled out with a couple minutes left in the game. Three turnovers. Like, if you told me going into the game that Oscar, you know, that everybody's talking about the Colin Castleton matchup, how that was going to work out, you you know, how Oscar needed to win that after dominating the way he did last year, 27 uh, apiece in each of those wins over the Gators last year. If you had told me that Oscar was going to go four points, two of 14 shooting, uh, three turnovers and fouled out, I mean, I would have said Kentucky had no chance. But the fact that they were able to put together, and the, I think the score was closer than I think even I felt watching watching it. I, I did think that Kentucky was just the better team, and they were playing better. That the, the uh, offense was playing more fluidly, and the ball movement was there. And I thought they they really did play well, uh, locked in a little bit defensively as well. Um, it's it's good to see you know Kaysen emerge the way he did, CJ knocking down the shots that he did, Jacob being the player that we've been praying for him to become at, at some point in his career. He's kind of breaking through in that regard. Chris Livingston playing well, you know, Damian Collins coming in and doing his thing uh, in, you know, unique ways. You know, he's been thrown in there at the four all season long, and now Cal's kind of trusting him to play the five alongside Chris Livingston. And, uh, and you know, that's a, a, a group that that I think Kentucky fans are really intrigued with. So seeing this team kind of find its footing, even when Oscar's struggling, you know he's going to get back to his dominant ways. You know that he's going to, have another, you know, unbelievable performance in the SEC tournament or in the NCAA tournament. He's going to have one of those dominant performances, but you know that that's going to happen. You know what he's going to bring to the table. You needed the other guys to step up, and it's really good uh, seeing how it unfolded against Florida because that's kind of what I've been waiting for personally. You know, Kentucky Kentucky winning a game where Oscar struggles. You know, I think that's, that's, a, big, that's a big step, especially offensively. Now, Oscar was a beast on the glass. I mean – Hauling in 15 rebounds in, in 34 minutes, that, that's still 
adding something and adding value to what you're doing and, and what Kentucky's doing. But to be able to close that game out against a team that had just beaten you, like as you said, a, a top three team in the country in Tennessee, and you get them at your place and you find a way to grind that thing out and win it. Uh, I thought that was a big step in the right direction for Kentucky that hopefully they can take into this game against Arkansas and and build on it. Yeah, you bring up a couple of these comments. We want to make sure we hit through that before we get, you know, the avalanche piles up a little bit too much. Seeing Savier Wheeler about, popping out a lot in there too. A lot of Savier Wheeler. Cal uh, singled him out after the game, after the Florida win, and said that uh, Savier was the reason why Kentucky win. It was kind of a roundabout compliment toward Kaysen Wallace about Kaysen kind of exploding the way that he did, um, but said that he was, you know, very comfortable letting go of the keys and, and playing kind of a, a little bit more off ball and, uh, you know, just letting Kaysen kind of do his thing and emerge the way that he needed to. And I, I thought that was pretty valuable as well. But, you know, Savir, the way he was finishing around the basket and, and just being that spark plug that we've been waiting for, like that's exactly the performance that I think uh, that we've been waiting for with, with Savir and the value that he brings to the table. You know, he finishes eight points, four or five shooting, three assists, two rebounds, two steals, no turnovers in 26 minutes. A perfect Savir Wheeler performance for what he needs to bring to the table to this team. And we've talked about his value and, and the 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 reason why he doesn't need to be a 35, 32, 38 minute per game type of guy, because he's that 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 at that point he sets the pace instead of being a, a change of pace guy. When he comes in and he is that fast, quick twitch kind of guy, he's gonna guard you 94 feet. Uh, you really saw that value at, at Ole Miss when he, you know, caused a 10 second violation. Like that's that is exactly what he brings to the table. Um, and I agree with what Cal says, him kind of embracing that role and letting Kaysen kind of embrace his brand new role and what he needs to be for this team. I think it's exactly what this team has been been waiting for and what they needed. Another guy that is doing what? Buying into a role. And that's when you see it. When guys start buying into roles, then I, your identity is defined as a team. If someone's on the outside – you're not that nucleus isn't there that that needs to be at its strongest point. And you're starting to see guys buy into roles individually that collectively as a team is making this team kind of turn it on and play better basketball. Like they had an opportunity to win that game against Kansas a week or so ago. They, they didn't get it, but it gives you enough hope that if they're in that situation a month from now against an opponent of that quality, that they can maybe complete it. So uh, I'm starting to feel a lot better about the way this thing looks. I mean, there's still a month here to get better and better before you get to Nashville. And then before you start working on somebody was talking to me tonight, actually, when I, when I walked out of the grocery store, they said, where do you think Kentucky's going to be in the seed line if they do win out? And I said, I really don't know how much they can do, which I know that's coming up in tournament resume. So maybe it's perfect timing to, to kind of transition. But when it comes to that, I said, I don't know how much they can improve their seeding, Jack. I don't. Even if they win out regular season, I don't know how much better it can get because there's not a lot to show for in the non-conference. It will certainly help. But this just feels like a team, and I keep coming back to this, that regardless if you're a 10 seed, a 9 seed, an 8 seed, it doesn't matter. Just get in and be playing your best basketball in that point. You're going to have to beat some of these teams anyhow if you want to get to a Final Four. Second-round matchup against a 2 seed or a 3 seed. With mm. Kentucky, with the reigning national player of the year, Casey Wallace, an NBA guy, you got these other these shooters maybe starting to buy into their roles, and Jacob Toppin. If you play well on that floor, you flip it, and then you're you're right there. I think getting in and playing your best basketball is the main focus. I don't even talk about seeding. I, I don't even care what it is because we've seen Kentucky as a two lose to a fifteen. It doesn't matter. Just get in and be playing your best basketball and win. So. You bring up um, there's a, a, there are a couple comments about this. One uh, I'll uh, address it because it said so Ben from Kentucky says Jack, do you know more about the Oscar story that Tom Hart talked about on live TV? Did you hear that by chance, Sean? I did not. Oh, I'm glad to get your reaction to this uh, in real time. I think it's going to be interesting. So um, very random timing. Um, Tom Hart was talking about the um, St. Peter's loss uh, in his conversations with Oscar Sheboy, I guess, probably in the Bahamas, if I had to guess, uh, just kind of one on one conversation with him. Um, he said that Oscar Sheboy had a vision leading up to the game that he had a conversation with God that said that a tragedy was about to take place going into the St. Peter's game and said that um, 
the vision, like uh, he thought the vision was going to be like a plane crash that would have basically killed the team. Like that was what his, uh, he thought that was going to be the tragedy in his head. Uh, and Tom Hart told the story that, that he kind of like had this panic attack before it. Uh, and the team had to like talk him into getting on the plane and, and, you know, they offered to uh, put him on a bus and, and, you know, let him drive to Indianapolis. But that was like a, a very real thing going into the game. And, you know, now thinking back at it, it's like, man, no wonder the team was so tight and as uncomfortable as they were going into that game because they had just experienced pr- something pretty like, I mean, imagine having your star player saying, I just had a conversation with God that said that, that we were about to die in a plane crash. Like, very, very if, uh, interesting stuff. And if there's, if there's anyone's vision that I'm listening to, too, it's probably Oscar Shibway. So that is, uh, no, I, I was, uh, actually, we had a game Saturday, so I didn't get to watch the live feed of, of the game. So I didn't get to hear that part of it. But no, that is, uh, you know me in planes. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what I, why I wanted to bring it up to you, and it's really cool, kind of getting your reaction to it live. Because as I, I so I was at the game. It's my vision it's, every time I see one take off. Exactly. I bet you're never going to touch a plane. You, you hadn't going into this, and now you're like, well, Oscar's thinking that we're going to get into. It. But so it ended up being that the tragedy was the St. Peter's loss, and mm. and he talked about how there was going to be one lone su- survivor and that he was going to be the lone survivor. And I guess the way Tom Hart interpreted it was that that the, the survival was him going to have him having the 30 and 17 or whatever the, that he had it, that he was kind of, you know, that he was kind of doing his part to will the team. I don't know. Very, I, I didn't get to listen to it live, but still very interesting. And you, I, I remember thinking back to the St. Peter's, game and obviously the stupid pregame show that we had and the nonsense that we said saying oh man it's gonna be a name your score game like a bunch of morons my fault not you, you are not the moron i'm the one that's i'm the moron. Into it a little bit uh, but but that that happened and i just remember thinking back at how tight the team was as the game was going on and thinking that's this is completely different than what we saw yesterday and and you know during the during shoot around and and for it to work out the way it did and remembering how tight the team was and how uncomfortable they looked as the game was going on. Savir wheel at the free throw line to, to close out that game looked like a nervous wreck. And now it just kind of adds a whole different layer to that loss. And I don't know, I just wanted to get your thoughts in real time. It's pretty, uh, it, it's something. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And uh, that night was certainly a tragedy. That is for sure. All the way up until, 4 a.m. when I went to bed and when I woke up the next morning and couldn't believe that it happened. Uh, I never want to feel the way I felt in that moment <laughs> ever again. Like, gosh, that was terrible. So, uh, yeah, that is, uh, man, that's something. Nope, that that's, no, it's now no becoming... more epiphanies, no more visions, no more, uh, no, no more of that. Like let's, let's NCAA tournament, like let, no more tragedy talk. Like let's, Loose, loosey goosey, like that's what we need. All right, I just let's. All right, <laughs> time to move on. <laughs> a couple people uh, uh, talking about Nick Smith and and the impact that he makes. Obviously, five star recruit, top ten recruit, a former uh, player that Kentucky wanted very, very bad, and should have been a Kentucky Wildcat if you knew his recruitment. Um, a guy that always wanted to be at Kentucky, very outspoken about his love for John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, unfortunately, uh, the Shaden Sharp situation and Sky Clark's commitment to Kentucky at the time uh, ended up forcing him elsewhere. And Arkansas was the other school that prioritized him, made him feel uh, comfortable there. And now they have him. It has not been the season, I think, that he has been hoping for because of injury, because of some uh, some, some different stuff leading into that. He's only played five games, but in, that, in those five games, uh, averaging almost 13 points a game, 1.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists. Um, you know, not shooting super efficiently, but uh, he's going to be kind of one of those questionable. Uh, he, he's, I think, a game time decision as of right now. I, I even checked as we're the, the show is going on right now. Still a, a pretty big question if he will play. I don't have any insight about that, uh, whether or not he's going to play. But um, the impact that you think that he would make on the team and and uh, just, you know, what Kentucky would need to do, uh, assuming he, he is able to play. It definitely makes an impact, right? 
like when you can when you can add somebody of that caliber regardless of of what that role would be you know coming back but that's that's definitely would probably complicate your scattering report a little bit more for John Calipari and for Kentucky so uh it, it's a big game uh, tomorrow night at, at Rupp Arena I mean that's a that's a massive game you know for Kentucky to to continue this winning streak and you know I know they closed the year with that road trip at Arkansas and that was a game that we circled when the schedule was announced that would be a tough one that Kentucky would have to close the regular season there and then jump right into SEC play against a team that a lot of people picked to, to possibly be a preseason final four contender and a national championship contender, given the talent that they had and Nick Smith Jr. Being one of the big reasons why those were predictions. So it, it would certainly, it would definitely complicate things for Kentucky if that is uh, the case and he is able to play uh, against Kentucky tomorrow night. But uh, th- this is a big game, Jack. This is a game that Kentucky needs to keep winning. And uh, when they lost that game to Kansas a week or so ago, we kept saying that the winning streak overall died, but the SEC winning streak did not. So keep winning in league play and keep putting yourself there and get the double-digit wins in the league here very soon. And you're starting to uh, turn the corner when it comes to to resume and, and being one of the better teams, especially from the SEC. I mean, the SEC going into the year was believed to be one of the more talented conferences in the in the country. And if you can continue to climb that ladder, put yourself in a position when the SEC tournament starts in Nashville, uh, this is a team that still has plenty of opportunities to get some quad one wins. Yeah, and uh, Captain Savio says, does Nick Smith equals what happened to Shaden Sharp at UK last year? Uh, there has been some chatter behind the scenes that he that he is, you know, kind of one of those uh, – it's right knee management. And he's a guy that I think is projected to be, you know, a potential top five pick, at minimum lottery pick, you know, probably – firmly in that top 10 conversation uh, because he is an elite three level scorer. He is a guy that, that is capable of going out on and, you know, giving you 30 points at any given moment. Um, and I, I have heard that there is some management on that side of things, uh, you know, NBA and in terms of NBA and, you know, making sure his draft stock doesn't tank because he decides to rush back from injury too early. And I don't even think it has anything to do with, uh, you know, with, with wanting to just hold out and you know, just having his eyes all on the NBA. But I think just kind of a a business decision of, you know, I'm still not right. I'm, I can tell that I'm not right. And I don't want to uh, rush myself back and then, you know, make this a, a long-term serious issue that does tank my draft stock at the end of the day. So I, I think it's a big picture decision for on his end. Uh, and it is the right knee management is something that they're still going through. And, um he was back on the bench with his teammates this this past week, and you know he's away from the team for a while and came back. So uh, definitely uh, uh, one to keep an eye on. And, and uh, you know I want to beat good teams at their best, you know at full strength because that's going to help them uh, at the very end. And Ben from Kentucky said the field is thir- uh, sixty eight was talking about Nick Smith family doesn't want him to play. Yeah, I, I think that is very much a a real situation that's going on with them. And I'm glad it's not something that would be happening if if he didn't end up at, at Kentucky. So. Um, right now, all eyes are on Ricky Council, uh, a guy who is taking over the SEC, 17 points per game uh, on uh, 45% shooting, 80% from the free throw line. Really, really impressive talent. He's a guy that uh, I think is going to go heads up with Cason Wallace, and that's going to be a really, really big matchup uh, to keep an eye on. What What about that matchup in particular are you intrigued with? Uh, alpha, alpha and Alpha. I think that's what intrigues me the most. And Cason's uh, going to have to play well on both ends of the floor going to have to defend the toughest matchup and he's going to also have to produce offensively for Kentucky. So this is a game where, I mean, guard play carries you in the NCAA term guard play. Honestly, guard play carries you at any level of basketball. I, I firmly believe that, especially when you get into postseason play, I learned that the hard way over the weekend. And, uh, but guard play in general carries you and, and you're, this is a matchup for Casey Wallace where I want to see him bounce, bounce back with another big performance following the Florida performance and defend, but also, uh, get a lot of quality baskets and quality shots for Kentucky and set some shots up for some other guys uh, to be playing good basketball. And if, uh, if he does that, whoever wins that matchup tomorrow night at that spot wins the game. I agree. And uh, somebody in the comments brought up uh, the team's three point Connor Riggs says Arkansas can't shoot the three. Well, only one player shooting over 35%. I don't think they have anyone who can guard Oscar. I, I do think defending the three is going to be a huge, huge, huge thing uh, for, for the cats. Um, 30.6% from the, from, from deep. Uh, and I do think that has hurt with Nick Smith being out because he is a guy that, it, that was projected to be one of their best shooters and scorers. And with him being out, it's kind of thrown uh, some stuff into whack. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I think that has hurt quite a bit, but, you, but can't, Kentucky can't afford to let another team come into 
uh, Rupp Arena and go crazy from deep. Like that's that I know that's been something uh, where you know really bad teams, the bad shooting teams have come into Rupp Arena and done really really well. Uh, we saw you know uh, Florida get hot a little bit at, uh, there at the end of the game. Um, it started off strong, but ended up finishing 31.6% from the field, six uh, from three, six of 19 overall. You had Kyle Lofton go three for three, uh, Will Richard go two for five, uh, and then you had uh, Miriam Jones go one for four. He had that prayer at the end of the game, and he tried to win it, uh, or I guess tie it and send it to overtime there uh, at the end. So uh, this you have to keep them at average. You can't let them go, go nuclear. Um, and I think it is interesting. Anthony Black's another guy. A McDonald's All-American, five-star kid uh, that I was really impressed with at a, at a high school, 12.5 points per game, 5.3 rebounds, four assists, 1.7 steals, really a, a solid all-around talent, you know, like 6'9", uh, size 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", type, type of, you know, big guard uh, that is going to present a very real challenge. I'm, I'm interested to see who guards him, uh, what, what matchup that's going to be. Uh, curious your thoughts on, on that one, Sean. Is that going to be maybe a – a Jacob Toppin matchup because it, I feel like it might have to be because I don't like the you know head to head there with Antonio Reeves. I don't like the matchup there with even CJ Frederick as, as well as he's been defending. I think it's going to need to be kind of big versatile forward guarding big talented guard. It's going to have to be. I think it's going to have to be a guy that moves well with some length and some size. And I think Jacob Toppin fits that matchup. And uh, when, when that's the case. This is where I'm coming from. Where I'm, I'm, I group these guys into pods. Kaysen's going to have to be go, going to have to be that two way guy tomorrow night, right? He's going to have to score. He's going to produce on that in the floor, but he's also going to have to defend his tail off and get a tough matchup. Jacob, on the other hand, you may not see the offensive production in this matchup if he's having to be called upon to defend at a high level as well. Uh, but if he does that, Kentucky's going to be in a good position to win this game. So I, I do think that that's going to be the matchup that Kentucky goes there with, and uh, I think it's the right call. Uh, Steven, <laughs> he, he uh, lit a torch in our our comment section and, and just talked it in like uh, there's already gasoline and he just lit the match and threw it in there. Uh, could you imagine Shaden Sharp and then Nick Smith in back to back seasons at Kentucky? You know, <laughs> could, could you? Could you? Imagine? I was actually going to say that a moment ago, but I was like, mm, I'm not going to go there. So I'm glad Steven did because uh, you, it's like imagine? Kentucky. If they if it if they had if they hadn't if, if Shaden Sharp had played obviously it would have been the, the perfect thing but out the door and it leads to Nick Smith Jr. and then you repeat the same process and it was burned so to the close. ground. Sean, I know it was so close. Like if Sky Clark decommits six months earlier, five months earlier, Nick Smith is a wildcat, and I mean that would have been that would have been as as that would have been worst case scenario for, for this program in terms of just rallying behind it and having, uh, that would have been just an absolute disaster. I'm, I'm glad uh, he's where he needs to be. And I, I am rooting for, he's such a good talent and I, I really am impressed with him. And I, I would love for him to, you know, get back by the SEC tournament and, you know, even play in the NCAA. I, I always like seeing the best players in the NCAA tournament in big games. I love that. Like seeing Cade Cunningham make the NCAA tournament a couple of years back, and you know those type of talents when the you know when they're on the bubble or whatever. And I, I like seeing those guys get the bids. Uh, and this obviously they were they're firmly in in the tournament, assuming they you know finish out the year strong. Uh, but Nick Smith is one of those guys that I think could take over a game in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and and you know I am rooting for that as long as it doesn't happen against Kentucky or in, in against in the, uh, Kentucky in the SEC champ uh, SEC tournament. I would love to see him go nuclear against somebody else and just kind of let you know cream rise to the top. So I am rooting for him and I do want him to get back on the floor, but not at Kentucky's expense. Um, you know, that, that would just be bad. I'll go through a couple of these uh, uh, comments, questions. Uh, Andrew Lachine says Chris will guard Anthony Black. I, I agree. I mean, I don't think that's a bad. Call, uh, I think he does defend well, and Cal just on his radio show was was raving about Chris Livingston and the growth that he's had. Uh, there were a couple of questions earlier about you know his transition to the four, and I guess it is fair to you know provide some uh, you know commentary on that because it is, has been such a you know big thing. Chris, uh, Zach Bingman says, uh, "How is Chris handling the transition to the four? Um, a couple other people were talking about it. But, yeah, I, I do think it is something that is worthy of, of conversation and get your thoughts on it uh, as well, Sean. 
uh, Chris, there has been pushback, you know, during the year. I think it's not even necessarily about the position that he's playing, but the role and how he was getting, uh, you know, put in position to succeed and things like that. I think that was where some of the frustration was coming from, uh, where, you know, it is a McDonald's All-American, a guy that was very productive in high school at a very high-profile program like Oak Hill. When you get that guy and he comes in and and he's not the not producing at the pace and at the rate that I think they were expecting going into this process. And I think even on Kentucky's end, they were expecting, uh, you know, a little bit more out of him. And it just, you know, a two way thing where, it, you know, the talent, you know, the, the, the potential and they're just not producing the way that you're expecting, uh, the way he's expecting, the way that the staff's expecting, the way the, the family's expecting. It just cr- kind of creates some tension about, well, what can we do, be doing to improve that? Uh, how how can he be used? And I think a part of that was, you know, I think trying to force feed him as a as a small ball four, you know, as a guy who has played the three the majority of his career and, you know, more playing more two in three than four in three throughout his career, that kind of created some, well, maybe he just needs a ball in his hands more. Maybe he needs to put the ball on the floor more and, and be, uh, you know, have the ability to drive to the basket and score at the rim and draw fouls and do things like that. And, you know, create shots for himself and things like that. And I think there has been a realization on Kentucky's end that, you know, you need the ball in Kaysen's hands. You need the ball, you know, in Antonio's and CJ's hands to knock down shots. And at some point, something's got to give. And when they have gotten given Chris the chance to, you know, attack and score in those ways, you know, we've seen them turn the ball over or, uh, you know, miss shots or, you know, not have strong enough hands and, you know, getting it stripped from him and things like that. And like at some point you got to let the the guys who are playing well continue to play well. So I think there has been a very clear point of emphasis about getting him back on the floor and, and yes, playing him at the four because it is something that he, that he can produce and he can find a lot of success at. And I think he is, he has embraced that as of late and, and things are getting better than they were even two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So uh, I do think that things are getting better in that regard. And and I, I think that's what's best for this team. I loved, love the lineup that we saw, Sean. We got one one lineup as a five-man lineup of Kaysen, CJ, Antonio, uh, Chris Livingston, and Damian Collins. It's a very brief stretch, but I absolutely loved uh, what, what I saw there. And, and we didn't, I want to see more of it moving forward. Uh, but even if it's Oscar instead of uh, instead of Chris, I think that's a really, really efficient lineup and one that I, I'm really excited about uh, coming down the home stretch of the season. Yeah, what do you think of Damian? What do you think of Damian and as as a role as this season kind of comes down the stretch here and into, into mid February and into March? Like, what do you think about that, Damian? And Cal said something unbelievably heavy. It just kind of mean my heart sank with hearing him talk about it. Uh, just the fact that that. Damien lost the best man in his wedding that his dad, like, and I talked about it on the show, how close they were, how they were brothers and how, you know, that they were just in, inseparable and, and things like that. And, uh, and it, it really did hurt to have it unfold that way. And, um, and now that he's kind of gotten past that a little bit and, and is playing more and getting more confidence in practice we're starting to see those spurts and we're starting to see that development. And, and Cal talked about it and said, you know, it's really cool seeing him have that confidence and, and kind of start inching by inch getting better. And I, I do think you got to figure out a way to get him back on the floor. You got to figure out a way to, um, to, to be the player that, that I think Kentucky needs him to be. And I, I don't know if it's going to be as a 15, 20, 25 minute per game type of guy, but uh, his number is going to be called. And I think it, it may be in a, a 10 minute role, 10, 10, 12, 13 minute role. And I think, I think when he is in, I think he does, is going to need to produce. And I think we're at least starting to inch toward that. I agree. I, I think so too. I think you're going to see opportunities increase for him. And especially maybe here in the recent stretch, given the the way the game ended and stuff the other day and then the role that he had to play. Uh, so I could see him getting a look early tomorrow night. And maybe more than one look. And if he plays well, maybe he plays his way into more minutes. And that would be huge for him. That'd be huge for Kentucky as well. Uh, Jack, it should be noted, too, that this is a quad one opportunity for Kentucky tomorrow night at Rep Arena. Like, you don't get a ton of quad one opportunities at home unless you're playing, you know, some of these these teams that are in the, the elite. Like, Tennessee is going to be a quad one here in a couple of weeks. And then Auburn, a quad one. But a lot of quad ones come on the road or on neutral sites. So, to get one at home here... Kentucky needs to get this win, and 
Will it hold as a quad one? I don't know. Arkansas is right there on the verge of the, the net of it being a quad two. Uh, but it's a step in the right direction if Kentucky can get another quad one and kind of escape that quad four loss that they had against South Carolina. And Arkansas is a team that just the other day kind of, uh, you know, struggled with South Carolina, that same South Carolina team. So uh, Kentucky needs to get this one badly at Rupp Arena. And if they do, I think they continue – taking strides and taking steps in the right direction. Another thing that gets paid attention to late in the season is how are you playing down the stretch? And this is a team that's on an SEC winning streak right now. If they can get a couple more wins here and then looking at the schedule and just pulling it up, I mean, you got Arkansas, you're on the road at Georgia, on the road at Mississippi State, Tennessee, road trip to Florida, Auburn at home, Vandy at home, and at Arkansas. Like there's a lot of tough games, but there's also some winnable games if you play well. Uh, a little behind on on these, um, got carried away with the show. So let me uh, knock, knock out a couple real quick. Um, first, with our from our friends uh, at Best Western, with more than 30 Best Western hotels and resorts throughout Kentucky, both leisure and business travelers can count on what matters most, a warm welcome, a rewarding stay, and a truly exceptional value, massive lakes, tree houses, mountains, uh, mountain tunnels, bustling cities. You never know what's around the next bend from outdoor activities to local restaurants. Kentucky offers something fun for everyone and Best Western offers something for every every traveler wherever life takes you. Best Western is there. Visit bestwesternkentucky.com and at Best Western on social media. And I also want to tell you, Kentucky fans, we know you will be making your way to Nashville for the SEC tournament. We say welcome back. Experience beautiful Sumner County, Tennessee, just minutes from Nashville. Discover our story history and strong country music heritage indulge in our delicious dining options relax in the simplicity of our lakes parks and farms connect with the authenticity of sumner county tennessee head to visit sumnertennessee.com that's visit sumnertn.com to learn more um go back to uh the comments see if there's anything else that we need to um Hit on a lot of you know what's going on. Dylan Gilbert would they be a quality uh, quad one win? Yes, as of right now they are uh, twenty nine overall. Like like Sean said, and, and Sean, another thing, uh, Florida is still 40, 43 mm-hmm. in the net, um, and that's a home win. So they're still. I mean, if they, I think Kentucky man should be rooting for Florida to close out the regular season. I think, yep. uh, or I guess obviously up until that trip to, to Gainesville, uh, where it is a quad one still, but. I think in these next this next stretch of four-ish games uh, before that matchup, they should Kentucky fans should be rooting for Florida to you know build together a nice little resume on their end and, and you know inch closer to that. It's thirty, right? Um, yeah, top thirty home wins. So they should be rooting that, and that that'd be a nice little way to sneak in another uh, quad one win late uh, there. So so keep a close eye on that one, uh, and then. While we're going through it, um, at Georgia is a firm quad two. I don't think it's going to inch to the quad one rank, and I don't think it's going to slip to a three. Um, and then you have four straight quad one games at Mississippi State versus Tennessee uh, at Florida, and then versus Auburn. They are also right there on on the, the um, that quad one quad two line. So. Need to be rooting for Auburn outside of games uh, that game against uh, Kentucky, but uh, you know, and then obviously ending the season at Arkansas, that's going to hold firm as a quad one as well. So, a really solid stretch of games there, Sean, to end the regular season of uh, six quad one games, potentially even a, a seventh if that Florida game um, switches over to a quad one as well. So, uh, be rooting for the opponents outside of that Kentucky is, has faced and is going to face. Um, Outside of the head-to-head matchups as well, yeah, and and you want that all you want that Auburn game too to be a quad one here in a couple of weeks. They're sitting right at thirty on the net, so that one's that's another one that can move. Just looking here too, resume wise, I mean, nothing that would help Kentucky, but Michigan State that game, that neutral floor game, Michigan State's at forty-five. That could actually be a quad two loss if uh, Michigan yeah. State doesn't finish the season strong, which doesn't help Kentucky's resume, uh, yeah. but. They need to get some quad one wins here coming up, and they they have opportunities. And uh, I would call tomorrow night a must win. Yeah, I, I think we're we're at that point as well. Uh, Zach Bingman says, just for funsies, what are the odds Cal throws out an Ugo Bradshaw Collins Edwards uh, DJ slash Rob lineup next year? I hope very slim uh, because that would be. Uh, a little, a little insane with uh, Ugo at the five, Bradshaw at the four, 
Uh, Collins at the three, I don't think that's anything any of us would would want to see. And Justin at the two, he's not a two. And then DJ at the DJ or Rob at the one, um, definitely not something that that five man lineup is just definitely not something that we're hoping for. So, uh, but yeah, it, it is interesting to kind of think about what the roles will be next year and things like that. And I guess while we're talking about it, um, DJ Wagner and Aaron Bradshaw were both in Frankfurt this past weekend, Sean, uh, their first chance to, to play in front of Big Blue Nation. I loved uh, that opportunity for them. The Kentucky fans were just packed from top to bottom uh, of the, at the Kentucky State University uh, basketball arena. Loved uh, what we saw out of all of them. And we got uh, four-star wing Billy Richmond there as well. Talked to him after the game, said some some impressive things about Kentucky. I think Kentucky's in a really good spot there. He was there after the game at Rupp Arena um, and, and just kind of playing air basketball by himself with an invisible invisible basketball, get, got some shots up uh, on the Rupp Arena floor. That was kind of cool kind of seeing, you know, maybe that's going to be his home in two years. Um, so seeing kind of a, a that what could be the future of Kentucky basketball, that was pretty neat. But uh, really, really strong performances for all three. 21 points for Aaron Bradshaw, 18 for DJ, uh, and Billy Richmond finished with 15. The three uh, leading scorers on the team. Um, I just love what all three of them brought. Aaron Bradshaw is really expanding his game, knocking down jumpers, mid-range. You know, even out, he had a pick-and-pop th- uh, three-pointer from the top of the key, Sean, that was just absolutely stunning. Uh, DJ Wagner with a, you know, quiet 18 points, started out and was really looking to facilitate and be a playmaker uh, away away from just as a, as a scorer. And then he kind of took things over late, um, really uh, attacked the basket hard, really crafty finisher, um, strong in that area that gets to his spots extremely well. I think he has a really high floor and I think his fail rate is at Kentucky is just extremely low. I, I think he might not be a, a superstar. You know, I think he has that, that chance, but I don't think that there's even a slight chance that he's going to be a dud because of just kind of the mindset that he brings to the table, the way he attacks things like that. So um, I, I definitely, uh, definitely love um, Zach Bingman adds was, were the players at, uh, at the Cayman game, a, a player, a statement of the teammates uh, of DJ and, and Bradshaw. I, I thought that was really cool as well. Uh, you had Jacob Toppin, Antonio Reeves, Chris Livingston, Lance Ware, and I think Kareem Watkins was the other, and Adu Thero. Uh, they were all there seeing the Cats in action, kind of supporting who could be their uh, future teammates. I thought that was really cool as well, but uh, a cool opportunity in Frankfurt there for uh, the future Wildcats, Sean. Yeah, that is a very cool opportunity for them. It's also, I thought, was a cool opportunity for the fans as well. And I'm, I'm seeing you there under the basket in some of these highlights. Looks like you had the best view of anyone. Yeah, it was, it was a, a cool, cool to see them up, up close and personal. And uh, John Calipari was there with Chen Coleman, and just a, a big family, family feel. I talked to um, the, the two signees after the game. Obviously, talked to Billy Richmond. Um, you know, got some good quotes from them, got some, some stories cooking up. But I also interviewed uh, Dewan Wagner Sr. to talk about, uh, you, you know, just kind of the decision process and, and getting to this point with with DJ and letting him, uh, you know, make the decision for himself, but also being very happy that, you know, he he is going to college with family, with, the, you know, John Calipari is family for him. And uh, it was a very impactful piece of of his life and his basketball career. I even asked him, I was like, you know, you were very outspoken after your time with, with John Calipari at Memphis saying that you owed your life to him. You know, what does it mean now that uh, the guy that you trusted with everything uh, is now, you know, your, your son's hands are now, you know, with, with him. Uh, and he was like, yeah, I mean, it's really cool that, you know, he's family and he's, it's not just with John Calipari. He's now there with Kareem Watkins. He's there with Lance Ware. He's there with Aaron Bradshaw. I mean, there, there's a real family vibe coming to Lexington next year. Uh, that I know Kentucky fans are extremely excited about, but it, it's cool knowing that uh, that dad is is happy as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, those guys getting a taste of of Kentucky fans and everything in the state, I thought that was a really cool thing for for them as well. And then the the current players there supporting them, and you see all the Kentucky gear and those uh, highlights there in the stands. I mean, I, I thought that was a really cool thing at this point in the season in February it gives Kentucky fans a chance to kind of take a break and look at the future of what's coming in here very soon. And uh, definitely a cool thing when, when something like that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, get out of here. A couple more things. Last thoughts on, on Arkansas. Um, Sean, what are you expecting tomorrow night? Let's, you know, kind of do a little mini, a little, little mini prediction here. Uh, what does Kentucky need to do to make you 
feel satisfied with what hopefully is a win tomorrow night. But, you know, obviously a win is what will, would satisfy you. But, you know, assuming they, they are able to win, what what would, uh, you know, make, make you happy and, and make you continue to feel good about how Kentucky is um, trending this season? I want to see across the board excellent guard play. That's what I want to see. Because I think that's what's going to be the difference when Kentucky gets down to tournament format is not – it's not Oscar Shibway, It's the guards. What let Kentucky down a year ago? Guard play. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Oscar. Like, Oscar's going to have his moments. I think Oscar's going to have his games when the lights become the brightest and it gets down to that stage. I think Oscar's going to play his best basketball. I want to see Kaysen, CJ, Antonio. I want to see a collective attack from Kentucky's backcourt. Just an overwhelming effort from everyone in the backcourt playing its best basketball, even Savier in his role. And I know that's a lot to ask to have four guys clicking at once, but I want to see it. Like I, I want to see that happen at some point because I think when it does happen, I think Kentucky's backcourt is capable of being uh, right there with anyone's in college basketball, led by Kaysen Wallace. So that's what I'm looking for tomorrow night. Does Kaysen set the tone and do the other guys follow? Do the other two make shots and does Savier – play his spot minutes and play his role well, because I feel like this is a game where Savier may have to play more than he's been asked to play the last few games, just given the pace of play, the athleticism and things in the backcourt and the speed. I think you could see uh, Savier have to play a more significant role tomorrow night. Yeah. I'm looking uh, at, at, Artsy Kaysen as well. Um, I need CJ to continue to make shots. Doesn't have to be, you know, four or five three pointers, but you know, continue to go, you know, go one for two, go two for five, something like that. You know, just continue to see shots fall and, and build that confidence and uh, you know, build that that continuity that I think we need to see from him moving forward. Kaysen obviously continue to to build on point guard number, you know, lead guard status, continue to do that. Uh, very excited to hopefully do that. But Chris Livingston's a guy that I'm really excited for uh, and somebody that I, I think we're waiting for a breakthrough with him. You could tell John Calipari the way he continues to talk about him and you could tell that, that they are, they are going to, to force feed Chris until it works. Like they want him to, to succeed. However he's used, whatever position it's going to be, they want him uh, to be successful here. And, I, and I'm confident he can be successful here. He's a hell of a basketball player. Uh, and, and he's a guy that I think is right on the cusp of a, a real breakthrough game. We've seen, you know, the, the eight point start, I think against Kansas and, uh, you know, a couple of those, those performances where we've seen him play well, but not that like, Oh goodness. Like this is why, you know, Chris was a top, 15 top 10 recruit and you know a five-star mcdonald's mcdonald's all-american like that's that's who he needs to be and and i'm i'm waiting for that breakthrough moment and i think it could come against a, a really tough big guard uh you know guard heavy arkansas team i think it could be an opportunity for him to find mismatches and really you know attack the basket maybe knock down a shot or two i think it's gonna be a really really uh solid opportunity for him and, and so my, my uh early kind of Early pick for MVP in that one is, is definitely Chris Livingston. I'm, I'm excited to um, see how that one un, un, unfolds. Last thing from me, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the, the news that Rajon Rondo is expected to join the, the coaching staff as a student assistant. He is back on campus taking classes uh, right now. I was told that he's sitting there in you know Whitehall taking classes with everybody else, and um, and he's working toward becoming a, a you know on, an on bench assistant coach for the team as a student. So, uh, what would what are your thoughts on that possibility, and what would that mean to you for uh, you know that, that to come to fruition? I think it's I think it's always really cool when you see different errors come together, right? Like Rondo didn't play for Cal, but you see that that welcome atmosphere and, and stuff, that family atmosphere. You know, Rondo played for Tubby, Cal's here, bring him into the mix. I, I think it would be massive for the program, obviously. I think it would be the, especially the cool factor of it. I mean, that's that's a cool thing. Like, I, I would be a big fan of it. I, I would love to see, though, that – that uh, what am I trying to say here? Rondo's personality in a coaching yep. role <laughs> like that, I think that's intriguing and interesting to me. So, uh, and then uh, you get John Calipari on the bench and as fiery as he is, and uh, I think you could, uh, I think it's going to be a good thing. I really do. I think it's something to be excited about. I mean, you already see what Tyler Ulysses' impact has been. Anytime you can have some of the greats come back and make an impact and give back to the program in a different way than what they did under their playing career, 
I think it's a big step in the right direction. And uh, I think it's, I think it'd be cool for Rondo. I think it'd be cool for Kentucky. And I think it'd be cool for BBN as well. Yeah. Major Cajun says uh, Rondo is a loose cannon. Isn't he? I, I mean, he has ruffled a lot of feathers in a lot of different locker rooms, but it's because he has a demand for excellence as an alpha male. I know what it takes to be great. I'm a two-time world champion in the NBA. Uh, you know, he is known as a basketball savant. He's known as one of the, you know, most brilliant basketball minds to ever play the game. And and to have that guy in your locker room, even even if, you know, the, the possibility of it, you know, ruffling some feathers and, you know, some accountability, accountability will be a really big thing in that locker room. But I think it's a good thing. I mean, take a guy like Rob Dillingham. We've talked about him extensively. We've talked about some of the concerns, you know, making sure he stays in the game, in, in the gym, you know, work ethic, staying, you know, you know, working hard, staying in the classroom, you know, doing all of the, all of the things that it takes to be a a successful college basketball player. I think that type of guy in the locker room alongside Rajon Rondo is perfect. Like I I think Rondo is a dude that will tell Rob Dillingham to his face. You are way too talented to be slacking in other areas. You are for, for what your potential is as an NBA talent, you know, an electric, you know, Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams type of guy, like there is a spot for you in the NBA if you are willing to accept that and do what it do what it takes to become that type of talent. And, and I think that type of accountability is exactly what Rob Dillingham needs. He needs somebody who's going to have a foot in his butt and say, you know, we got to we got to stick with it. We got to be, uh, you know, hold each other accountable and, and make sure that we're getting the best version of ourselves. And I think that's that is the path to Rob Dillingham being successful uh, at Kentucky. And I think that the, that's the exact person that he needs in his life to continue the track. I think he, things are going well. I'm going down to uh, overtime this weekend uh, on our path to uh, Athens for the, the Georgia road game. Uh, Steven and I are going down there and we're going to take a pit stop in Atlanta to see overtime and, and how Rob's doing and, uh, you know, talk to the coaches and see him play Friday night and all that. So really looking forward to that. Um, but you know, he's a guy who has a, a lot of potential and is somebody who can be a, a, a real star at Kentucky if he's all in engaged and says, all right, let's l- let me be the best version of myself. And I'm really excited that uh, Rondo could be the guy to, you know, help hold him to that standard. And Tyler Eulis, I mean, let's not forget that Tyler Eulis was a hell of a player in his own right. And, you know, national player of the year contender, and, you know, Bob Cousy award winner. Uh, he was as good as it gets at the point guard position as well. Having those two in your ear constantly to be like, look, and with DJ Wagner, obviously that will obviously be a huge help as well. But with Dillingham, especially being like, look, we got to be on top of you. We got to make sure that you uh, are the player that we know you can be. I think it's an unbelievable move. And I think it's going to unlock the best version of Rob. And I think it's going to kickstart what I think is going to be a really successful coaching career for uh, Rondo. Zach uh, Bingman says, what's Rondo's direction with this? Does he want to be a coach or is this more for DJ and Rob development? It's because he wants to be a coach. And, and I think it's no secret that, you know, he's been pretty outspoken about wanting to be a coach long-term uh, at the end of the day. And, and I guess my only concern about this happening is if an NBA team looks at this and goes, well, if he's willing to be a student assistant at Kentucky, will he be a, you know, would, would he, he be willing to be a, a on-court coach, you know, full-time assistant, lead assistant, you know, with us and with a franchise in the NBA. So that would be my only, like, you know, caveat to this is maybe a team sees this as an opportunity to slide in and get him now that they know that he's receptive to being a coach. But maybe Rondo is just like, all right, I I will cross that bridge when I get there. I want to get my start where I, you know, my start in coaching where I got my start as a player uh, in college. I think that's a really cool opportunity, one that I'm certainly – uh, excited for and uh, seeing him, you know, go from player to teacher is going to be a really cool thing that I think all parties involved are going to be uh, very much better off because of that. Last thing from me, Sean, uh, one last note uh, from our friends at my bookie, you asked for it and they listen, my bookie designed a unique deposit bonus that lets you cash in and cash out quick. This is a unique deposit bonus for sports bettors who want to focus on what what to bet and not a payout sweat. Make your first deposit today with promo code KSR. Uh, wager your deposit amount once, and you are eligible to cash out if you want a sports book that gives you the most for your money. Bet on the big game with my bookie pregame uh, live lines and Super Bowl props. Bet everything from the opening coin toss, the length of the national anthem, to the color of the Gatorade dumped 
on the winning coach. I can't tell you exactly who is going to win the Super Bowl, but I can tell you where I'm placing my bets, and that is with my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Sean Smith, let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time from the Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We will see you then.